this morning as we continue in our Life That Is Life sermon series, our scripture passage can be found in John's Gospel. We'll be reading from the 10th chapter, the first 10 verses. Uh, let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there. Grow us and transform us that we might uh, bear fruit for you in your kingdom. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Hear now God's word. I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard at the gate opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus spoke again, I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that so they might have life. Indeed, so that, yes, as you can probably see, I'm, I'm wearing a, a tinfoil cap today. Uh, you know, the, the Pentagon did just release those, uh, that UFO footage. So you may want to get one of these. You know, some people over the years have, have worn uh, tinfoil caps in the belief that they prevent um, mind control by government spies, um, paranormal beings that employ ESP or uh, microwave auditory uh, effect. I don't buy all of that, of course, but, but here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. There is a lot of interference out there. There are a lot of voices speaking loudly. We are bombarded with a lot. Sometimes I wish this kind of thing actually worked. The music video that we just saw captures it well. In addition to the lyrics of the song being poignant, there were words and phrases projected in the background that were taken from actual comments that were sent and have been sent to the violin player and to and to the band Switchfoot. There, there is, friends, an army of voices in our heads. Voices of self-doubt. Voices questioning our every move. Voices of shame. Voices of temptation and allure. Voices of inadequacy. Voices of comparison. Voices of envy. Voices that, that lie. Voices that say you're no good. You're worthless. You're ugly. You're nobody unless you can prove otherwise. And those voices are loud, they're easy to believe, but they do not lead to life. And then there's an army of voices outside, too. Voices telling us to be this kind of person, uh, to live this kind of life, to look this particular way, to be afraid of, of these kinds of people, to buy these kinds of things. Voices of criticism, voices of shame, voices of temptation and allure voices of fear, voices that lie. 
voices that are loud, easy to believe and follow, that do not lead us to life. There is an army of voices out there, but there is only one voice that makes the difference, that means everything. There's only one voice that really matters. Only one voice that leads us into the life that is life, and that's the voice of Jesus. Just as sheep find life in pasture by, by listening and following the voice of a shepherd, we find full, abundant life when we listen to and trust the voice of Jesus. I, I don't know if you know how shepherding works, but sheep are not actually born programmed to recognize the voice of their shepherd. It's not like a uh, a car remote program so that even in the parking lot of Target with all the other cars out there, I push the button on my car remote and my, my car alone responds with that affectionate beep, beep. It takes time for sheep to recognize the voice of its shepherd, to learn that voice. It takes nurturing. It must be cultivated day after day, time after, after time, call after call. And so it happens in the, in the context of, of a deepening relationship of trust between sheep and, and shepherd, caring and feeding and, and protecting and leading and playing. We aren't born recognizing instantly the voice of Jesus. We're born with a desire, this innate desire to hear and recognize the voice of the one who, who knit us together in our mother's wombs. But it takes time and relationship for us to discern the voice of Jesus speaking love into our hearts. It takes nurturing and must be cultivated day after day and time after time. Prayer after prayer, scripture after scripture, silence after silence, communion after communion, that's what makes it so hard. That's what makes it so hard because from the moment that we are born, we're bombarded with voices, all competing for our attention. And I'm convinced that, that all people everywhere, all people everywhere are hoping that some person or some thing or some activity or some event will prove to be the voice that speaks that ultimate feeling of well-being into our, into our, that we all desire into our hearts. Something, some activity, some event will be the voice that speaks that inner feeling of well-being that we all desire. We'll hear it, and that will be it. That will be all. And so we hedge our bets, and we start listening to all the voices, all the voices coming at us, an army of voices in our heads, outside our heads, calls out loud, working to, to tune our hearts to them so that we might obey them, follow them, listen to them the most, follow where they lead. And they are the voices of the thieves who only come to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus' voice summons us, invites us into something different, invites us into deep, full, abundant resurrection life. Whose voice do you hear? Which voice captivates you? Which voice do you trust? 
somehow the sheep do learn the voice of their shepherd, and they trust it. In fact, it's, it's remarkable and it's necessary in a, in, a, in a land, in a climate, in a geography where grass has difficulty growing in arid soil, in a method of, uh, of shepherding where sheep often flock, uh, corral together at night, mixing together flocks. Sheep must know their shepherd's voice and follow him pasture to pasture in order to live. I was reading this week about one uh, Ph.D., um, student who spends several months in Israel each year during her program, and she was talking about walking down the streets of of Bethlehem one day, Um, and she watched as three shepherds converged with their flocks of sheep, and they they stopped in the streets to talk to one another. They greeted one another, said hello. As they were carrying on conversation, their flocks of sheep, three different flocks, kind of merged and, and melted into one large flock intermingling. After a while, the shepherds said their goodbyes. They prepared to go their their separate ways. And then, amazingly, each one of those shepherds called out to his sheep. And at the sound of their shepherd's voice like magic, those, uh, those sheep separated again into three flocks following their shepherd. Different voices calling out, and yet... The sheep recognized the voice of their shepherd. The one who enters the gate, says John, is the shepherd of the sheep. And the guard opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls them out by name and leads them out. It all starts with the shepherd naming and so identifying his sheep. Naming confers an identity. It demonstrates intimacy with sheep. Pure white, striped, black, brown, perhaps this one named over here, gray-eared. Jesus, the one whose voice is the only one that matters. Jesus, the one whose voice leads us into life, calls us by name knows us, loves us intimately. Jesus knows us by name, which means Jesus has, has named us just as the shepherd names her sheep. Jesus has conferred an identity on us in naming and claiming us as his own. Yes, Jesus knows us as Mary or Juan or Lisa, but also he names us, calls us, knows us by another name. Beloved, beloved. He has a way to identify us because it was his life, his death, his resurrection that did so. When I was in fourth or or fifth grade, our our elementary school would always have a field day towards the end of the year, about this time of year in in spring. Uh, They would divide up the school um, to four different teams, all different grade levels participating. Uh, usually a different, uh, each team had a different color, and, and we would play games, uh, competitive games together for fun. Usually a lot of relay races, um, water balloon toss, but there was this one game that we did every year um, in a big field. The teams would be in different corners of the field, and, and the participants in the game would take off their shoes, and they would give them to the, the teachers who were facilitating the game. The teachers would put all the shoes together in, the, in those big clear uh, trash bags 
and they would mix them all up, and they would dump them all over the field. And the object was to see which team could get all of their uh, participants to find their own shoes, put them on, and bring them back. And that was the team that, that would, would win. Well, one year, I knew I was going to be part of this. So I said, I am going to dominate this this year. So I convinced my uh, parents to get me bright neon orange shoelaces so that I could put them in my shoes so that when they dumped all the shoes out there, I could quickly spot which ones were mine, get them on, and get back. And it worked wonderfully because, believe it or not, not too many other people had bright neon orange shoelaces in their tennis shoes. And so uh, when they dumped all the shoes out there, I spotted mine, immediately raced out there, got them on, got back. I won field day. (laughs) Jesus, recognizing the voice of Jesus, I think, first begins by, by recognizing that Jesus recognizes us. Recognizing the voice of Jesus begins by understanding that Jesus recognizes us. We are the shoes that Jesus has put bright orange shoelaces on. We don't get lost in a mass of of other shoes. Jesus calls us by name. When we recognize and trust in our hearts that we are known, loved, recognized, named by Jesus. It's like, it's like our hearts get tuned to that voice. We have new ears on our hearts, and it's with the ears of our hearts that the voice of Jesus, that we hear that voice of Jesus leading us to life. Our hearts are, are kind of like the filter the translator that translates all the voices we hear. They help us decipher, our hearts help us decipher all the voices coming at us and pick up the voice of Jesus. A heart tuned to fear will hear voices of fear. A heart tuned to suspicion will hear voices of suspicion. A heart tuned to self-rejection will hear voices of self-rejection. A heart tuned to Uh, To dissatisfaction, we'll hear voices yelling to acquire and to buy. A heart tuned to achievement and approval will always hear voices of of praise or criticism. Ah, But a heart tuned to to the love of Jesus Christ for us will hear the voice of Jesus calling out to us and leading us into life. A heart tuned to generosity will hear the voice of Jesus promising he will take care of us. A heart tuned to justice will hear the voice of Jesus reminding us to advocate for the most vulnerable. A heart tuned to joy will hear the voice of Jesus telling us that that he will take care of us. A heart tuned to, to hope will hear the voice of Jesus telling us not to be afraid. A heart tuned to joy will hear Jesus telling us the kingdom of God is here. Rejoice. A heart tuned to mercy and and compassion will hear the voice of Jesus calling out from the depths of those suffering. A heart tuned to peace will hear the voice of Jesus saying, shh, be still. There's an army of voices out there, but only one whose voice leads us to abundant life. And hearing it and, and trusting it means everything. 
we actually see this in the story that precedes uh, the gospel lesson today, the, the story that comes right before in chapter 10. In the, in the healing of the man born blind in, in chapter 9, Jesus rejects the idea that uh, somehow uh, the man's sin or his parents' sin has, is the cause of his blindness. And instead, he tells the man to go and wash. Tells the man to go and wash. The blind man hears Jesus' voice. Of course, he can't see him, but he hears Jesus' voice. He listens to it. He obeys it. He follows the instructions and is healed. And he finds life, abundant life. He can see again. Later in the chapter, when Jesus identifies himself to the man, the man responds with belief. You know, the Pharisees, they're Pharisees in the story too, and they also hear Jesus' voice. However, they don't follow it. They're listening to all the other voices out there. And so they don't experience the full abundant life like this man who was blind and now can see does. Perhaps they are more blind than he ever was. It can be hard to hear, can it? The voice of Jesus in the midst of all the army of voices out there, but... But if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're really, really honest with ourselves, those other voices don't resound like the voice of Jesus. They haven't been there as long. They don't resonate like the voice of Jesus. Does the voice telling me that I'm a failure, that I'm not enough, resound the same as the voice that calls me by name? Does a voice telling me that I need to pursue the American dream at all costs resound as the same as the voice that says that I belong to Jesus? Does the voice that, that tells me that I should loathe or, or be afraid of people who look like this or who, who love like that resound the same as the voice that says that, that, that I am held, that they are held? There's a voice that tells me that I've got to prove my worth. Prove that I'm worth something. Resound as deeply as the voice that says, I have always loved you. The voices may be louder, but they are not as deep. Like the voice of a mother or father calling out to their child. It is a wonderful and beautiful thing, isn't it, when an infant begins to, to know and recognize its mother's voice? I saw it the other day with our one-month-old in a room with so much stimulation from, from older brothers to uh, musical toys hanging above the head, swirls and stimulations of color and, and movement and motion, and, and Lauren leaned in and began calling his name. And slowly his head turned to the, to the source of that voice and in recognition. He knew what her voice sounded like, even with all the other distractions. What does the voice leading us to abundant life sound like? Is the Savior's voice something you, you hear in your head like the, the voice of a friend? Is it more of a, a feeling? You may have to answer that for yourself. 
But I can tell you this, it probably sounds like hope that doesn't disappoint. It sounds like pure, unbounded love. It sounds like grace. It sounds like justice rolling down like waters, like mercy and kindness and joy and welcome and generosity. It sounds like I forgive you or follow me like you matter. You belong to me. Where you go, I'll go. Like, come to me. Don't be afraid. It sounds like I miss you. It sounds like a voice that can't and won't do anything other than lead us into the life that is life. Full, abundant, resurrection life. I'm going to take this off now. I'm going to take this off because while I wish this foil hat thing worked to tune down the other voices so that I might hear the voice of Jesus more clearly, it doesn't. I know it doesn't, but... But this does. What we're doing together now, worshiping collectively, it does. Praying daily does. Listening, being still and quiet does. Serving and blessing others does. And while it may sound like a chicken or egg thing, the the more and more we listen carefully and attentively to the voice of Jesus, the more we'll discover that we are hearing the voice of Jesus, able to hear it, and the more we'll desire to hear that voice for longer and more deeply. And we'll turn like an infant to the voice of his mother, to that voice. And maybe this time that we're in right now will, will help us do that. This strange time that we're in. I've heard some refer to this time as a great pause. A great pause. I wonder if it's a pause that might just allow us once more to tune in, to hear the voice of Jesus. I wonder if it's a pause that has in some ways turned down the army of voices just long enough for us to get the volume of Jesus' voice at the right level, that, that we might become reacquainted with the voice that, that really matters. We might turn toward it. The voice that spoke the earth into motion, that named us, that breathes life into us, tells us who we are. I'm not sure at what point we begin to know Jesus' voice more clearly. In our own mind and in, in a world with so much stimulation, so many loud voices, I don't know how easy it is for you to turn to the source of that voice. But, but at some point during this great pause, at some point, I pray that it happens to you, that it happens to me, that it happens to, to us. I pray that, that, that all of the, the army of other voices will be quieted. That love will do its work in our hearts. And we'll hear with the ears of our hearts that strangely and beautifully familiar voice calling us by name. And we'll follow it and keep following it right into the life that is truly life.